0: Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantan. Imagine everything. If
1: you could pick your house up just a little bit and peek underneath, there's a property of creator and sustainer of the universe. You put it back down. Your car has a label. Maybe you didn't notice. It's not Nissan's. It's not yours. Property of the creator and sustainer of the universe. Your kids have little labels on them. They're hard to catch, but if you can catch one, turn them upside down, you see it right there. Make an inventory of your life, friends. How much of it did you get with no help from the Lord? Hope
0: God, oh my soul He is strong, and he is strong. and ask yourself that question, the answer is fairly simple. Nothing you have in your life, including your very life itself, is of your own doing. Everything that you have, all that you are, is because of the grace and mercy and goodness of the creator of the universe. Let's join Pastor Ricky for part one of his message entitled, Wake Up Now.
1: We are in a series, and actually I'm going to have you turn to Matthew 25. Uh, Matthew 25 is where we'll be this morning. We're in a mini-series on uh, eternity, And our lives in light of eternity. It's called live forever. Um, Because at the beginning of a new year, we want to stop. We want to pause. Because our temptation is going to be to do this year the same way we did last year, right? We have a bunch of non-negotiables in our life. We just kind of, okay, we roll in to another year. But if we don't stop and think and pause and ask what does God want me to do with this year? We'll just do it the same way. We've always done it. And last week, my dad preached a truth that should change everything. Hebrews 13, 14 says this, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. And uh, this city, this stuff, will not last. It's all gonna be gone, but there is a city, the Bible tells us, that will last, that will come, that we will live in with the Lord forever and ever. And so this series is gonna go on for another couple of weeks through January, but I wanted to give out a reminder because when you begin to live your life in light of this reality, that this stuff, so much of this stuff will not last, but there is a few things that will last It really changes everything. It changes the way you live your life, the way you invest your time, the way you invest your money, what decisions you make with your career, the way you parent your kids, the way you build your marriage. It all changes when you realize how many things won't last and how few things will. So uh, at the end of the message, we have a gift for you. And I want to ask you, so it looks like this. This is the gift. Let me see if I can get it. Okay, It's these. So we have these for you. They're little wristbands. On one side, they say, no lasting city. And that's meant to be a reminder that so much of our lives is not going to matter. Whether or not you have the iPhone 6 Plus will not matter in eternity, right? Um, Whether or not you get a better cubicle at your office and not the drafty one by the door, when everyone opens it, it gets cold, will not matter, But there are a few things that will. On the other side, it says live forever. So what it's meant to do is it's meant to encourage us. And you don't have to wear this like for the rest of your life. I'm not asking for like a lifetime commitment on this thing. But here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Take this and try wearing it for the next couple of weeks, two to three weeks, while we finish our series. And consciously, when you wake up, when you go to bed, when you go to lunch, when you have idle moments, look at this and consider That verse, for here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come and see what it changes in your life. Um, Now, here's what we're trying to do today. So last week we talked about the reality that this world won't last. Some things will last. So here's a question today. What do we do here in a city that will not last while we're waiting for the city that is to come? And I want to get into this by telling you a story of a, of a Christmas, actually several Christmases, when I was a kid. Um, we would go on Christmas Eve. We did Christmas Eve at my mom's side of the family's house. Um, some Hispanic families, they do Christmas Eve rather than Christmas. And so that's kind of what we did. And so we'd go over to her house, and we'd be all excited. There would be all these presents under the tree. Uh, it's all glowy and happy and, and you know, there's that anticipation. This is the first round of gifts we're about to get, okay? Christmas Eve, first gifts, here we go. And and so I remember with anticipation, seeing my name, I kind of You know, as a kid, you kind of casually walk over like uh, looking for your name and you make another sweep and then pretty soon you're just digging through to make sure you have a gift. And then you see the gift and you try to guess, does that look like a GI Joe or does it look like a building set or like kind of shake it a little bit while no one's looking, right? So remember doing all of this and always... From one Christmas, uh, from then on for several years, we had a specific gift. So I would open, we have usually two gifts as grandkids, and so one of the gifts looked exciting, looked enticing, ripped it open, looked at it, and what I brought out was a United States savings bond. <laughs> so you can imagine me, like, I forget what age this was, but probably seven or eight or something, asking my parents, what, what is this? And they said, it's $100. And I was like, $100? Like, in my mind, age seven, $100 buys a house, right? You you buy anything with $100. There is no thing off limits at Toys R Us. So I said, $100? And yeah, my dad replied, yes, it's $100 in the future. And I'm... And I'm going, okay, wait a minute. Yeah, he's like, yeah, so someday, like when you turn 18, you'll get this money and it will have earned some interest on it. And you'll be able to have that money. And to me, I remember just thinking, 18? Like, that is, so at age seven, this is more than double. Like, this is more than my life. Take all of that, do it again. And I still have more years left to wait. I mean, it's... It's in the future, like where we're, I don't know, we won't need $100. We'll be teleporting back and forth to Mars or something, right? We'll all have a Millennium Falcon parked in our driveway. That's a life size that we can take and drive whenever we want. But I didn't understand... Why somebody would give me $100 for the future? And this is our human dilemma, okay? I was going to say, this is our human dilemma. Our dilemma is constantly that we want what we want now. Now, our view gets bigger when we become uh, adults, right? So you can kind of section your life off between being a kid and being an adult. And if you were to rationally ask what seven-year-old needs $100, not that many, right? Not many are going to be responsible with $100. But when I actually used those savings bonds that I accumulated was when I I actually almost forgot about them until my parents reminded me. And I used all of them, cashed all of them in when I was about to get married. When you're about to get married, you're buying furniture, you're buying stuff, you're putting deposits down on an apartment. It's expensive. You're doing wedding stuff. And yet I was able to take all of this and almost kind of use this money to start our new life as a couple. Now, if you could ask me, would I rather have the $100 at age 7 or at age, you know, 20-something where I'm about to get married and launch my new life, when would it be more useful? Probably not to the 7-year-olds. If I could go back and take away money from myself as a child and give it to myself, now I would definitely do that. Because I'm thinking, little Ricky, he doesn't know the difference. Just give him a, a stick and a, you know, I don't know. Let him draw stuff in the dirt. Give me the money now, right? It matters a lot more when you're an adult. We've got furniture to buy. We've got medical bills. You know, we're launching into a new life as a couple. I want the money. It's more useful in my life to come. And that's our dilemma, We want stuff. We want to use things for now when there is a life to come that matters far more. So here's the big idea today. We invest what will not last to receive what can't be lost. We invest what will not last, this stuff, to receive what can't be lost. And we're going to look at this through the parable of Matthew 25. So Matthew 25, if you're there, verse 14, let's read the Lord's word together. For, Jesus says, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two. Now, pause. Talents are weights of gold or precious metals, right? So it's just different quantities of precious metals that could be sold and traded. Okay. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, "'Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more.' And his master said to him, "'Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master.' And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, "'Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I made two talents more.' But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has more He has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Some things will not last. Most things will not last. But there are a few things that matter eternally. We're going to look at three things as we see this passage today. And the first one is this. We are entrusted with what is not ours. Verse 14 says this. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Now these are servants in the sense of they're not just sort of like household uh, footmen. These are servants. These are almost managers who serve the master of the house. We so probably have extensive property, extensive holdings, and these are people that are almost like mid-level manager type people who have the kind of seal of approval from him to go and do business on his behalf, okay? So not just servants that are buffing shoes. These are servants that are entrusted with some responsibility. To one, he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability, and then he went away. Now, Part of the parable that we so often miss is this. Whose stuff are they managing? It says the master entrusted his property. Now, the reason Jesus is telling this parable is he, he wants to illustrate how we should live in light of eternity. So he depicts himself or God as the master and us as his servants. And as we saw a few weeks ago, there is nothing in our lives, in the world, in the universe over which Christ does not have ownership, right? We don't have stuff. We don't—we're not born into the world with anything. It's all His. Now, maybe you don't like that, okay? Because Americans especially don't like this. Nobody likes to be told, look, the stuff you have, thats not because you worked hard. It's because it's from somebody else, Right? So you may be thinking, well, listen, I have a nice house, but I worked hard at my job, right? I, I took a nice vacation, but, but I paid for that, right? I got myself through high school and college, and I got this job now. Well, let's, let's review, okay? In Genesis, how much of the world did God make? The answer is everything, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's a big phrase in the Hebrew that means Everything, right? In the beginning, there was no things, and God made everything, okay? Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me so far? Okay. God made all of it, and how much of humanity did God make? All of it. He created Adam. He formed him from the dust of the ground. He breathed into him the breath of life, meaning that Adam was made by God. God. And then beyond him, every stalk of wheat, every blade of grass, every cow, every fish, every stream, every mountain, every deposit of oil, right? Every piece of gold, every natural resource, all of it is from the Lord. He owns all of it. Now, second question, how much of this does he sustain? All of it, right? The reason that Earth does not wobble just slightly outside of its orbit and get scorched, and we all die. Is that God sustains the forces of gravity? Right. The reason the Earth doesn't wobble the other way and get too cold and we freeze and die, is He sustains it. Right. The reason that the oceans and volcanoes and everything in our world is kept in check is that God sustains it. So here's here's the picture. He's the manager. He is the master of all creation. We are the managers. Before I uh, was a pastor, I did some conferencing work. So we would put on conferences. And when we would pack up all of the conferencing stuff to take it from one place to the conference location, uh, we had to put something on almost everything. Now, we, got, we had two organizations. We had the conference and we had this church that kind of sponsored it. And so everything before we left was labeled, right? Property of this church or property of this ministry. So we would take it and we would saran wrap the whole thing in these weird huge things and then we'd ship them in trucks to the conference location, unwrap it, use the stuff. But here's what was important. We needed to put the things back on the right truck so they went to the right place because the stuff wasn't ours. In fact, everything that our conference used to put on the conference was stuff that we borrowed from other churches or ministries, right? So we didn't have like, Resources, everything was a property of this ministry. This church had to go back. Well, imagine, imagine you were able to turn everything in the universe upside down just a bit to see the ownership label, right? Imagine everything. If you could pick your house up just a little bit and peek underneath, there's a property of the creator and sustainer of the universe. You put it back down. Your car has a label. Maybe you didn't notice. It's not Nissan's. It's not yours. Property of the creator and sustainer of the universe. Your kids have little labels on them. They're hard to catch, but if you can catch one, turn them upside down. You see it right there. Make an inventory of your life, friends. How much of it did you get with no help from the Lord? Take your house, right? Well, you worked to get that house, right? Well, how did you work? Well, you worked because you have a brain that continued to fire its synapses and a heart that continued to pump blood into your lungs, which continued to expand in and out so that you could work and do that job. Did God then give you a family that showed you how to work and teachers that educated you about how to work? Did God give you a planet to build your house on and then grow some trees so that you would have wood so you could put it together and then give you technology to build the whole thing? Look under everything, friends. There is a tiny label that says property of master of the universe, right? But once you see everything in creation this way, it's not discouraging, it's Glorious, because this is the reality of this verse. You have nothing, but Christ has given you what is not yours. See, the master entrusts stuff to the servants when he doesn't have to, right? He gives us freely our lives, our money, our time, our gifts. Does the the master of the universe have to give us any of these things if he truly owns them? He doesn't have to. When this master left town, did he have to entrust his property to his servants? He could say, you know, you guys are crazy. There's no way I'm trusting you with anything. You're just going to keep buffing the floors. No, he he gave them up. He entrusted these things to them, even though they weren't theirs. The beginning of investing eternally starts with an acknowledgement that we do not own the stuff of our lives. If we enter this discussion believing... That we have like some things that God's given us and some things that we worked for. How much? How much is on the table when it comes to serving the Lord? Well, just the stuff that God gave us because we got we earn these things, right? Right. I, this is my stuff, and this is so I'll use God's stuff for His purposes. But the Lord entrusts everything to us. We are given what is not ours, and it's amazing. But second. We invest what is not ours. We're given what is not ours, and then we invest what is not ours. Verse 16 says, He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. So, the master entrusts his stuff, his business, his property, his money to these managers. Now, the expectation is that they would continue his work, right? Expand the business. Find more good property. Continue to be profitable while he is gone. So the, the, they are to use the master's resources for the master's work. These managers don't have a meeting and say, all right, that guy's gone. So what do you guys want to do with this stuff? Right? Or, you know what? This whole enterprise the master has, it's lame. I say we get into pets.com. That's where this is. I'm feeling this. Let's divert all of our resources into this stupid website to feed cats and dogs, right? They don't get that ability, right? Because the, the master and the, the way that he's, he's set out his enterprise, his business, his priorities, they receive these things. They're not... It's not theirs to come up with whatever they want to do. There's a parable right before this in Matthew 24. It's a similar parable with the master and servants. And the master entrusts some stuff to the servant. And the servant waits for the master to leave. And then goes and uses all the resources for himself. And beats up all the servants. And drinks through all the booze. And, and the master comes back and he's not happy, right? So, these people don't do this, but we should keep in mind, it's not theirs to do whatever they want with. They invest his stuff for his purposes. In a similar way, Jesus has given his resources for his work. What, so what is that work? What does Jesus entrust his stuff to us to do? Well, God creates humanity to bring him glory and worship him, right? Right? He creates us to image him, to reflect him, and to worship him in every area of life. Whether we eat or drink, whatever we do, we do it all to the glory of God. That's what we to do. But he gives us a mission for how to do that, okay? It's not just, well, you just decide how you want to glorify me. No, he he hands us Matthew chapter 28, where he gives us his commission, his mission, which is to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So, Here's what we're to do. We're to use what God has given us to be disciples of Jesus Christ, first and foremost. We ourselves are to imitate Jesus in every area of our lives, from holiness to hospitality, from parenting to priorities, from sexuality to suffering. All of it is meant to be used for this great mission to be disciples of Jesus Christ, to look like him, to reflect him more and more and more.
0: Hope in God. vitamin to the most efficient way to exercise, our culture is obsessed with living forever. All these pursuits are deeply rooted in a desire to make this life on earth last forever. But what if that's not God's plan? What if he wants us to live forever, just not here? How would your life change? Would you opt for that second 60-inch big screen TV or bring an orphan into your home? What would you do if you knew you would live forever? For more information about this message, please email us at radio at betternewsradio.com or give us a call. The number to call is 915-562-7100. Again, our phone number here at Cross of Grace Church is 915-562-7100. You can learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website www.betternewsradio.com all of pastor ricky's messages through the bible are available to listen to or download for free at www.betternewsradio.com again the web address is betternewsradio.com you'll also find contact information driving directions to the church and details about activities and upcoming events at the website We also encourage you to follow the Cross of Grace Twitter feed at Cross of Grace EP, where Pastor Ricky tweets additional thoughts about the messages you hear on Better News Radio. Or connect with us on Facebook at Cross of Grace EP. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Better News Radio.